Can you tell us a story or two to really illustrate this idea of what a spontaneous remission is and why it can be so important to know about? Yeah. Let me just preface this by saying that, you know, I was taught in med school that that our illnesses are mostly genetic and that once we map the genome, we will be able to begin figuring out how to heal these illnesses. That turns out to be false. We now know that 85 to 90% of the illnesses from which people suffer are lifestyle-based. Really? They, yeah, and that gene, and, that, and all the major killers are lifestyle-based. Heart disease, diabetes, cancer, autoimmune illness, lung disease. These are related to our lifestyle. And genes, we now know, can be turned on and off by lifestyle. Uh, they can be turned on off turned on and off by the quality of emotional or spiritual nutrition in our lives, by the quality of physical nutrition and foods we put in our lives, by, by the quality uh, and truth or false beliefs that we have, our experience of ourselves, by the quality of the relationships we have. These things play a massive role in what genes get activated and what genes are turned on and off. So the tragedy is that most of our illnesses, including most of the major killers, we treat as if they're incurable illnesses when in fact they're not. So yeah, let me tell you a few stories. I begin cured telling the story of Claire, for example. And I start off with her story because she felt like every woman to me. She's this really wonderful motherly lady who was diagnosed by biopsy in 2008 with pancreatic cancer. Pancreatic cancer is a terrible illness. It's usually diagnosed too late to treat in an effective way. It's usually a form of cancer that has a brutal, painful, quick end. And she had the worst kind, pancreatic adenocarcinoma. So this is a very personal and professional journey, this whole effort to study these illnesses, because I had read so many articles in theology and psychology and medicine at that point. And I was so tired of opinions of with everyone disagreeing with each other. I needed the empirical evidence of what is it that brings about or is associated with healing at the deepest levels. And if a person can recover from an incurable illness and there's medical evidence for their recovery, then I thought maybe that's something that my skeptical, confused, you know, that little kid in me that's still really trying to figure out what's true um, can trust. So uh, a story like Claire's was such a, a beautiful journey for me. She was a common sense lady who valued science and medicine and had spent a life following disorders. But when she was diagnosed with this cancer and told that she had a matter of months to live, she decided that she wanted to spend the time that she had left finishing well and spending time with people she loved rather than spending much of her time in dark or gloomy doctor's offices with other people who were dying. She was going to die anyway. Pancreatic cancer treatment didn't offer anything that was going to do anything except maybe prolong her life for a few months. So she decided to not pursue surgery or chemotherapy or radiation and just try to focus on quality of life for the time she had left and on finishing well. And she began to make a lot of changes with her life. She 
worked through books about how to prepare for death. She began to address relationships where she wanted to forgive people who she had harbored some hurt towards and had felt rejected by. Uh, she began to eliminate processed foods from her diet slowly. She read an article that said salt is bad for the pancreas, so she got rid of salt, that sort of thing. And just very humanly went through this process. Um, the biopsy was in 2008. Then she had a CT of the abdomen in 2013 for unrelated reasons. And her doctor came out of the room and said, your cancer is gone. And then they thought, well, there must have been a wrong diagnosis. <laughs> yeah. But it was a biopsy proving that it had been the right diagnosis. Her doctors didn't know what to think. And uh, some of them were irritable. <laughs> But things continue to unfold for her, um, and it's a beautiful journey of healing her immune system, healing her nutrition, healing her identity and her deeper beliefs uh, so that she was much less vulnerable to thinking there was something not good enough about who she was or in some way that she didn't measure up as a human being. So it's a, it was a beautiful story for me to be exposed to. Yeah. And I think one thing that I read in your book was you spoke about how in a lot of TV or radio shows is often a focus on people questioning whether this is real and yeah. never really asking the questions about, so what, basically? What is the implication? Yeah. Why does this matter? What are the lessons that we can extract from these cases to learn how to live better. And I so resonated with that because it's almost, my partner's actually an expert in near-death experiences, so noetic sciences. Oh. And, it's oh, a similar, really? and it's a similar thing with him in that he says, well, d is this real? Is this a real phenomenon? Is there such thing as a soul or conscious? Like they're important questions, but so much that we can learn is actually how to live well now. And I, so resonated. I thought there was a similar link there in terms of the lessons we can learn. Yeah. Well, you know, I really appreciate what you're saying. And it makes me think about the role of trauma again that we've talked about and the role of finding out that maybe a situation or a relationship wasn't what we thought it was. Um, Leonard Cohen said that we're all cracked so that the light can get in. Yeah, I think it was. And yes. And, and, you know, I think, I think I'm starting to realize that in two different ways. First of all, we are cracked and we're all a little bit crazy in our own ways. And I'm realizing that that's okay. And we can work on healing that, but we also do really well to let that crack of the ego break us in a way that the light can get in. I also am starting to realize rather later than I wish I would have learned, but but that that those cracks in us cause us to need others in a way that's very beautiful and not in a codependent way, but in a way that we can really enjoy and understand the importance of having others be intimate with us and to share our cracks with them in a way that's safe and vulnerable. And again, knowing how to choose safe individuals is a big thing. But those cracks in our efforts to grow towards wholeness, we need each other. In part, that's the beauty of us needing each other because we aren't all completely whole in ourselves yet. And 
It makes me think of a previous interview recently with somebody else who lost his wife and he said somehow the whole experience was laced with beauty and I didn't fully understand that I could imagine but I hadn't really seen it and then I went to this funeral for the family that I was speaking about and because it really shook the community there was about 300 people who showed up and it was beautiful. People were openly grieving, but people were openly loving too. And, and I really understood at that moment what, that, what the lace with beauty actually meant. Wow. So you write in the book about whether it comes from a therapeutic session, a loving relationship, deep meditation, focused imagery, love touches and heals something that medications can't touch. I loved that. 